0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. If only we had an expert. Yes, <laughs> that would help <laughs> exactly. us. Exactly. 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 Oh.
1: Wait a what minute! Do you know? What do you know? What do we got, Barbara?
0: Our next guest, Doug Fletcher, is such an expert. He's the founder of Fletcher and Company, and he wrote a new book called "How Clients Buy." And the point of the book is to help people market their services right. to clients. Hello, Doug.
1: Hello, Barbara and America's Doug. So building this trust is a critical idea. What are some of the other important aspects uh, that you talk about? That you and Tom talk about in the book?
0: Before you do that, can I ask you one question? Just, just, and oh, then let you course. do it. Okay. So um, Danielle talked when when she was building her business. She said one of the most important things she did was network, network, network. Mm-hmm. How important is that? Do you think in your in what you recommend?
1: Mm.
2: It is it is hugely important with a huge asterisk mm. beside it because the word networking. What we discovered it in research in her book is that every successful rainmaker that we spoke of that we spoke with had a, had a, an extensive network um, the, the caveat the is is twofold Um well, first of all, the, the the term network has a negative connotation to many, right? Mm, right. It mm-hmm. sounds like you're going to the you know yeah, right. the business happy hour, and you come with a pocket <laughs> full of business cards, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, and it just gives so many of us the hives, right? Like yeah. you mm-hmm. know, we just like, oh my god, we get sweaty palms, and just like this. Okay, so so first of all, when these rainmakers built their networks, that's not always what they're talking about,
1: mm. right? Okay.
2: Um, so, so first of all, one of the things we learned is that you do need an extensive network, and when I say extensive, it may range from anywhere from 100 to 500 individuals that are in your uh, are in your you know your, your universe, right, of people that you have known, met, trust, and so forth. Um, how you build that network can be very, very different, and should be tailored to your own skill set. So, for example. Um, Dominic Barton, the um, managing director at McKinsey, shared this lovely story with us about um, how he started his network, and and you know he had just landed in, in um, South Korea, and he went around and introduced himself and met all of the bankers in the clubby little world of, of South Korean finance. Right, mm-hmm, And he mm-hmm. just went around and introduced himself. Some people don't have that. Just just makes them nervous, right? They don't want to go around cold calling people, right? Mm-hmm. Some people write. And and, and Barton talked about, um, Dominic talked about, you know, um, one of his mentors at McKinsey was a great writer. And he knew things about where industries were heading. And he wrote these, these, you know, amazing pieces in in prominent journals. And then People contacted him from that writing. Some people are great at speaking. Some people are great at at going to conferences. So the point being is that there's no one way to build your network. It's very important. And it's not how many people you're connected to on LinkedIn. It's how many people will take your call, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a very, very big difference. And a lot of these people made this distinction. It's not how many people are in your LinkedIn or Facebook, it's how many people can you call up and ask for a favor? Mm. That's that's difference. about zero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Barbara. But
1: I think you're. I think it. Doug's making a very interesting point that actually dovetails nicely with the conversation we were having with Danielle, and that is engagement. Really, it's it's sort of you know you these people aren't you know they're not you're not influenced to them, but in a certain way you are. You're like co-influences with each other. Yeah. And like Doug's point is like, are you really engaged with these people? Is sort of it's sort of the idea, right, Doug? It's.
2: Yeah, it, you know, the, the, um, I think the big takeaway for me and the big aha, because so many of us are confused by social media and networking. It's like, uh, what am I doing? How does this work? You know, um, you know a lot of us kind of have a queasy feel in our stomach about this. But, the, but it really comes down to the quality of the relationships more than the quantity. So we all have hundreds of people on, you know, that we're connected to on LinkedIn that we've never met, we don't know, we don't have any mutual trust or respect. That's not what the people we spoke with are talking about. It's that, hey, I know Barbara. I know Americas. I am going to New York. They know a person there. Can I call them up and ask for an introduction? That's what they're talking about.
1: And what's also fascinating about that, Doug, is that that actually gives you a sense of you know the right approaches to actually building that network right so i think also what i'm hearing you say is that you want to kind of focus on your own strengths in terms of your communication skills that you have that are that are that are your strengths and really rely on those to create that kind of engagement as you build your network
2: yes and and i think the because we're never taught how to do this the common mistakes so many people make i made this most people make it when we're 30 years old or 25 or 35 or whatever the age is, when you're kind of starting to become responsible for, for winning new client business, the first mistake we make is we try to copy other people because we've never been taught how to do it. So we look around us, we find, Mm. you know, someone that looks like they know what they're doing and Mm -hmm. we try to start mimicking them. Mm -hmm. And what we, what we learned is that that, Mm-hmm. doesn't work in the end because what works for americas may yep. not work for barbara exactly and that might not work for doug yep. so and that and that was a huge aha uh-huh and a huge relief for me in doing in doing the research for this book because you know i had my own biases and i had my own preconceived notions about what worked based upon my 25 years of experience but then when you collected the wisdom of 30 you know, plus people, now you realize that all these successful people did it differently. Mm-hmm. But they still built that network, but they did it in a way that felt good to them.
1: Interesting. I think that what I what that resonates to me, Doug, as well as this idea of because we, we face this as professors a lot. And you probably uh, know this as well as, as, in terms of your um, you know, pivoting to an educational space as well and teaching others. And that is when I first showed up here at the Wharton School 18 years ago, I watched all the great teachers teach because I wanted to see, like, wh- wh- what does Barbara thing, do and yeah. all of this? And, can't and copy. You can't, you, th- it's your point, though. You cannot copy what other people are doing. You have to find your own voice that allows you to kind of develop that engagement or network you with You know, these but that goes
0: folks. to, like, so what do you talk about in the book? You know, mm-hmm. there must be some, because now you've looked across several, different successful people. And everybody has their own idiosyncratic, authentic style. But you must have reached some generalizations. Yeah, Yeah. the
1: commonalities that are the key takeaways. Yeah,
0: the key takeaways from all of those interviews.
2: Yeah, so, uh, okay, so um, at the end of the day, um, yes, there are commonalities. And And we didn't intend on writing this chapter, but we ended up writing the chapter in, it's one of my favorite chapters in the book, where we kind of do the best hits the greatest tips of what we heard kind of the common themes of what we've heard yeah. from, from the rainmakers. Um, and, and there's seven or eight uh, of them in there, but you know, there's, there's a number of, of, um, I think of good ones. One, one of them is what like we just spoke of to be true to yourself, right. Um, to not copy someone else to, you know, to, um, to, do it your way and um, and that's hard I I'm mean, going back to, to your example Americas and then I'll, I'll segue into you know answering your question when you're when you're starting out as a professor at 30 or 35 it's you know you don't know that you shouldn't be copying those around you because you're not 50 right mm-hmm. and so you know what I wish I had heard when I was you know when I was much younger I wish someone you know my age had come along and said listen it's okay you don't have to copy me. Just go be yourself um, and 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 try hard and do your best and try to be the best at what you do, and it'll be okay, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see. What are some other things? Okay, so um, if you boil down a lot of what we learned um, about how customers choose, how they how their, their customer journey when they you know when they look to hire someone. Um, If you boil it down, and our book's more, I guess, granular than this, but if you boil it down, it comes down to three things. They hire experts that they know, respect, and trust, or who come referred from someone they know, respect, and trust. So uh, respect has to do with professional credibility um it it's not about your character it's about your professional um your capability to do the work are you truly an expert at xyz right mm-hmm. and one of the things we learn from the rainmakers and this this is hard for i think young professionals cuz it's it's kind of counterintuitive we have to focus in order to be perceived as an expert, mm-hmm. and when you're young, you, you, that just <laughs> seems so limiting. I don't want to focus what I'm doing. I want to be. I want to do this. I want to do this. And by nature, if you're a jack of all trades, you cannot be perceived as an expert. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the one of the people we spoke with, we interviewed for a book, had this that had this uh, phrase that we loved, and we've adopted it, and we've become disciples of it. Um, And and, um, it's attributed to Jackie Kruger, who is the director of marketing of um, Clifton Larson uh, Allen in Minneapolis, um, the financial services firm. And she tells her practice leaders to shrink the pond. And Mm -hmm. when you're – and I love Focus. that and, and and I love that metaphor. It's like listen, if you're not a big fish in your pond, then shrink the pond. Mm. And if you're still not a big fish, then shrink it again. And the metaphor, it was so effective because if you shrink that pond enough, eventually you will become the largest fish in that pond and you will be perceived as an expert. Mm-hmm. Now you can shrink that pond, that metaphor geographically. You can shrink it. Uh, you know, by functional expertise, you can shrink it by, hmm. um, uh, gosh, I lost my train of thought, um, but the, uh, by industry, group, industry you. Mm-hmm. Know, who you, who you so, so there's different ways you can use that to shrink the pond. But I thought that was a really nice lesson that, um, you know, that we took away from some of the leaders. And, and I wish I have learned it um, much earlier in my career.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So it's another way to say focus, find your niche, find the place where you really add value to. You also have to make sure that once you shrink that pond, that it's valuable enough.
1: But I think what's also interesting that Barbara points out as well, and it's also, I think, presents a bit of tension in your point, Doug, is that when when you're young, you want to be eclectic. You want to be doing a lot of things. Uh, So you got to teach yourself how to have that maturity, that discipline to find that focus to shrink the pond for sure. But at the same time, it's like, isn't there's a correlation with age, too? Like, you know, I've been doing this a long time, so I am an expert. You know what I mean? So in some senses, it's like it's harder. There's a tension there because like you're young and you do want to be eclectic, but you have to focus. But focusing is hard. But being young and just. It, just the fact of being young and perceived as an expert is also hard. I mean, we're talking to Danielle and she's 26 and she's a fashion blogger with 2 million people. It's like, well, she's an expert. It's was like, wow, wait a minute. You know, so there, there's a bit of a tension there that I think has to be resolved to some extent. What are your thoughts on that? The,
2: the, uh, yes. Yes. The, what you're saying is true. I mean, you know, having a little gray hair never hurts, right? <laughs> you know, when, when you're, when you're talking, um, you know, when you're talking to clients, um, that being said, Things are always changing, and, and let me just give an example. Okay, so we just have a new tax code that came out this past year. It threw the accounting world upside down. You know, they had to go out and figure out what they were supposed to be, um, mm. you know, telling clients. So there's always change that you can become an expert at something new. Mm. That either that that e- there's a level playing field because nobody knows this, or there could be things that are just aligned better with your skill set, like the millennial generation and and um, and being digital natives, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I will never be as good at digital stuff, even though I use it every day, as my kids, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And as my students. I mean, I learn stuff every day. I walk in the classroom. I learn, you know, about new things from my, my students. So there are things you can be an expert on, I think where gray hair doesn't matter. Mm. But at some point, gray hair becomes your friend. Mm-hmm. If, you are, you know, if you've been doing this for 20 years, it's easy to share stories that build credibility. Because at the end of the day, we're just trying to build credibility, credibility and trust.
0: Well, Doug Fletcher, thank you so much for coming on the show with us tonight. Um, we really enjoyed your insights and your gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> And I hope you come back sometime, too. You can find more about Doug at FletcherAndCompany.net. For more
2: insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.